Greetings of love to each one here this morning, in the name of Jesus. I looked at preaching on February the 13th, and I thought, it's pretty close to <coughs> Valentine's Day, and kind of steered me that way, and so I decided to, I don't know if this is an easier one or a harder one, but when you have a subject of love, lots of places you can go. Lots of uh, things you can really narrow down and, and study or talk about. But I'm going to be fairly general today, um, at least in trying to understand the overview and, and the understanding of what, what love really is. And as you know me, I like to do the word studies, and so I may bore some of you this morning but I want to try to give it to you, but move over it quick so we can get to some other things. The title of my message is Kept in Love. I debated on the history of what Valentine's Day really is. I am kind of curious. How many of you know what, it all, what it's all about? Some, kind of? Okay. Years ago, I had looked at it for uh, uh, maybe a chapel or a devotional somewhere. It was, I think, at school or enough that I remember looking into it. And I just did a little bit just to refresh my mind, so I was kind of on track because I thought, well, maybe a lot of you know of it. But just to give you a little uh, uh, introduction to what it is, and it's hard to know because some of it's... Uh, history-based, not necessarily factual-based, I thought, well, then we'll just leave it at that. But uh, there was uh, some priests by the name of Valentine. It could have been one or two. And they decided that all the uh, men should go to the war and that there shouldn't be any marriages, and they just kind of wrecked everything. Well, these uh, men by the name of Valentine, whether it was one or two of them, decided that that's wrong. And so they're going to perform marriages. And he did at the cost of his life. The, the uh, king or whoever in that era uh, killed him and murdered him uh, for that. And since then, it's always been of, uh, I mean, you see everything that relates to it. Anything related to love, there's symbols, there's signs, there's, there's many things. And it kind of all goes back, I think, to this... Uh, story or, or historical facts may be true of, of a man that wanted to acknowledge that love is between a man and a woman. And that's enough to give you an introduction or you may study it on your own if you wish to on where Valentine's Day actually came from. But nonetheless, it is a day that's celebrated at least in our country and around, possibly even in schools when you have interesting things that exchange between students. Uh, some expressions and words can get quite interesting at times, but um, that's part of it. So I want to not have anything to do necessarily with Valentine's Day. It was the uh, subject that's there, and I, so I opened my Bible and began to study in what is given in the Word for love, in Scripture for love. I want to give you five factors or aspects of love. They are, and it's 
fellowship meal today, so at least we don't have to get home too quick. I don't know how long it'll go. I want to look at kinds of love, examples of love, purpose of love, tests of love, and triumphs of love. And yes, we will be here a long time if we really zero in on all these. So it's not going to be in-depth, but to try to get an understanding of what love is. So here we go. Number one, how many kinds of love is there? As you start studying the word love in Scripture, you will find very quickly that it's not one simple word of love and it's done. You have Hebrew words for love, which I have a few of them written here. I don't know much about Hebrew. There's Greek words for love. And it's necessary to understand this. Not that you have to know the, the, the language and all of this, but that love cannot be defined by one simple thing. So here we go. These are the Hebrew ones. I'll pronounce them the way they sound. Might not be right. But there's a, a Ahab. That's a Hebrew word for love. That's your spontaneous, impulsive love. Or to show love. And it's generally used for anything in the Old Testament that somebody loves something. It's what we think of when you hear of love. Just in general. And it's used a lot but not necessarily for one specific thing. It's used in general, as we'll see. The next one is, is uh, he said, which is a deliberate choice of affection and kindness. And it's not always brought out in the word love as much as I see it as the word mercy. So you try to think of mercy without love, and you're going to have a little bit of a problem because there's some affection and a desire that just comes from in you that you're going to be merciful to somebody. And... The ones that comes out are uh, loving kindness, as you read in the Psalms a lot, is, is under that, uh, that word and that meaning. Another one is raham, is to have compassion, and more focuses on a brotherly love. So more of a uh, one another. Couple here that I, I'll mention them. I didn't do much of it, and they're sort of confusing to me. And I, I'll just confuse you with them too. But Dodd is a friend or a lover, and it's uh, also used as uncle. And I, I don't know why there's two of them put together. But when you use when you see the word uncle in the Old Testament, it uses this word Dodd. And if you see the word love, it could also be that same Hebrew word. And I. Don't quite know why or what, but it is also um, used uh, together with this last one here is uh, Ohab, however you say it, and that's the one that would have, uh, the first word that came out was caress, so we think of the physical love that's with that. So it'd be to caress or to love, maybe in a physical way. That's real quickly how the Hebrew listing is, let's go to the Greek ones that some of you may have heard of. Agape is your unconditional self-sacrificing love. That just is the one that uh, we, we know of as Jesus giving like everything, uh, the sacrificial love. We have um, phileo or philia is a love of friendship or tender affection between uh, people. We have... Uh, Eros is your physical or your sexual love. And the one that I didn't know about, <coughs> which is 
it's given in scripture, but it's kind of a, in a different way, is uh, storge. You might not have heard of that one. I didn't until I looked it up. But that's love between family members, especially as a mother to her child. So you have all of these, all these meanings of love. And we're just going to real quick go to some examples of these as we see how they're given in Scripture. And we're going to have to go back to Genesis to do this. And you may turn to them if you want. I, I just think it's interesting because of how they're laid out and given uh, just in the, uh, the many uses. So just in Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, I'll read it. You're familiar with it? But it says, uh, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. This verse is the first time that the word love is used in the Bible. And I'm impressed by how pointed and uh, painful it was. Because he specifically says, take the son that you love. And instantly there's this connection of, okay, why did they say this is the son that he loves? Well, it's the one that they, you know, uh, Abraham and Sarah were like, here's his promised son and God says take this one that you love and go and go sacrifice him that's um, a general word for this this Ahab the, the the general love but to coincide with that turn to Genesis 27 verse 4 if you want and this flips it around totally the opposite way uh, as a interesting note and this is where uh, Isaac's request was is for Esau to go out and uh, get some meat for him so he could give his blessing. And in verse 4 it says, And make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat it, that my soul may bless thee before I die. I've heard and know of people that say you cannot state that you love things that don't have a relationship with you. And that may be true when you say you love pizza or you love uh, any other given thing that you might say you love. And I agreed with that until I read this verse. I did not know that this was in here, but it specifically says, and make me savory meat such as I love. That word love is Ahab, the same general thing for love. So it, it just mixes it all up. But nonetheless, there it is. And so just a, uh, an idea of some of these examples given of love in Scripture. If we look at the next word in Hebrew, it is he said, let's go to 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. And it may take a little bit to turn some of these. We'll just try to keep going through them, through them pretty quick. 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. It's when David wanted to show kindness to the house of Saul, and he said, is there anyone left? And in verse 9 of 2 Samuel, or verse 7 of 2 Samuel 9, it says, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. See, the word love is not used in that verse, but the connotation there is, is that David extended mercy and kindness 
to Mephibosheth, which was the house and lineage of uh, Saul. And it's given as, uh, just as this one just came through in, in, the, in the resources of, here is where a person just extended this to somebody else. And it, it doesn't say really love, but the idea is there of mercy and kindness, and it was deliberate and intentional. And so the next one will be Raham in Daniel 1.9. We know the book of Daniel is about Daniel, and the first chapter begins in on the things that happened to Daniel. But in verse 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And this is a, a Raham love of just relating as one person to another, and just a feeling of, as we all know, you just, you like that person. And God did that. He brought him into favor, as it says, and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. That's another example of how the love is given. Now let's turn to Proverbs 7.18, and I want to point out a, a negative use of this love. It uh, has to do with uh, the wisdom given in Proverbs about um, the ways of a prostitute, but it brings out the uses of the words uh, very, very well. In Proverbs 7, verse 18. I can find it here. Proverbs 7, 18 says, and I'm just jumping in the middle of it here when the, when the warnings were, and it says, Come, let us take our fill of love unto the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. And, I'm, and this is in a negative and an evil way of a harlot seducing a man. The first use of love there is, come let us, fill our, come let us take our fill of love. That's that word dod that I was talking about. That it's just, that's, that's what it's referred to. And, it, and it's more like a lover, somebody that you're going to try to have a relationship with. And then it says, uh, let us solace ourselves with loves. Well, that's not that same word anymore. Now it uses a different word for love, and that's that word um, ohab, which mean, or ohab, which means to caress or love. And so we obviously can see some, some uh, physical love in, in that verse as we, as we see it. So that kind of covers the Old Testament. And then as we go to the New Testament, I, I won't turn there, but... We look at the Greek words, which is in the New Testament. We have agape. I wrote down John 3.16. Very basic. Probably a lot of you know. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But let's turn to John 11. There's two verses in John chapter 11 having to do with uh, philia or phileo, the, the love of brothers, or um, as people one to another. And that, like I say, is in John 11, and if you know the chapter John 11, that's with Lazarus, but specifically stated here in um, John chapter 11, verse 3, it says, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus loved Lazarus. And it was mentioned here that the one that you love, and this, that's the use of a, 
of a philia or phileo love. And just go, continue on in a, chapter 11 all the way down to verse 36. And you have it repeated again. Right after the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11:35 says, Jesus wept. But verse 36 says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. That's a general love and affection for brothers, sister to sister, brother to sister, just the love for mankind together. That is a use there of filial. Now this is the next one in the eros, if you are familiar with that, as I said, is a sexual love, the love of the physical love of, of, of a man and a woman. This could be up for debate, but it's not used in the New Testament. It is not given in the New Testament. So I don't have any examples for you, for Eros. So a lot of young families here, and it obviously is part of your life. I can't give you any examples in Scripture of it. And I think I'll leave it at that, which is pretty basic. However, as I studied, I found something very interesting that I did not know before, and I maybe it'll clear some things up for you, maybe not. It's not... I just... Re- Let me slow down a little bit. Let me just read what I have here. It is not used in the New Testament, but it is implied in the book of Song of Solomon. But that's Old Testament, so that exact word can't be used in the Old Testament because it's Greek. So it's using other words. But it is also implied in Hebrews 13.4. And if you know what that verse is, I'm going to turn to it and read it. I just want to point out something real quick. For any of you that were confused by that, I'm still maybe a little confused, but it it does make a little bit of sense for me here. Okay. 13.4. There's two references. I need to make sure I get them right. I'll just read it. Hebrews 13.4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers, God, whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. <clears throat> now turn to Romans 9, verse 10. If you want to keep the Hebrews one there, go to Romans 9 and verse 10. It only became clear, and I'm, there again, you have to just... If you can stick with me, I keep jumping right in the middle of verses because I see words and I I go around to them. But let's look at Romans 9, verse 10. And also, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac. Just jumping right in the middle of that. Go back to Hebrews. You take that word bed that you might have had questions about what it means. It is the same word as conceived in Romans 9, verse 10. So it's given a place of conception. If you ever wondered about that, that's what it's talking about there. The next one is storge. And this is the one that's uh, not used specifically um, by itself. It's used with some other words as they make like a compound word. But I just want to point out very quick that, and if you would understand the phrases, in Romans 131, at the end of the chapter where it talks about all the wickedness of men, 
And in 2 Timothy 3.3, it uses this word in a negative way, and it says, and the phrase given in both of those is without natural affection. So it doesn't use it in the positive way, but it puts a negative, like uh, I think it's A, or uh, it uses a prefix, prefix before the word, and puts it in a negative way because it says in the you know the, the men are going to be without natural affection the men the women the people it's going to get evil and there's going to be without natural affection that's the only thing I could find for that for that uh, word meaning um, of a, of a of a love for a parents to their children and when it says without natural affection it means in the in the days which we see already children or parents are not going to love their children they're not going to have even a natural affection for their children and so it says. Um, it uses it in a negative way. <clears throat> All right, I think I cruised over that. Let's go to the purpose of love. And I was going to read, uh, I don't know as I will, First John, this is where my text would be from, First John 4, 17 through 21. And I'm just going to continue on without reading it. Uh, it's fairly lengthy but and, and somewhat familiar. About love one for another. And some of the things that I thought of in here, uh, some questions, some ideas, but under the purpose of love, where does love come from? And as we see here in 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. We all know that love comes from God. That's also stated in verse 16, which reads, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Another verse in John 15, 9 also talks about God the Father loving the Son. So we see the love originated with God. And it's the divine nature and character of God. Very basic, very simple. But the question comes to me is, is that, Love, and stated in Vines, one of my resources, it says, Love can be known only from the action that it prompts. So the Sunday school lesson, I was catching this, and we hear love, and all of a sudden in the title, and I failed to study much when I preaching, and the word action is in the title. Somebody remember how, what the title of the lesson is? What was the Sunday school title? I don't have my book. I thought maybe somebody would know it right off. What's that again? The body of Christ in action. If the body of Christ didn't have any action, how could it show love? It has to be an action. So my mind, which shouldn't maybe go this way, it did. It says, if God existed before creation, was there, ever, was there even love there? He didn't have anything to love. Or maybe he did. But what was it? We don't have maybe knowledge or know that but did love exist before the creation of man maybe but what actions did God do we don't know did he love his angels I don't know maybe did he uh, like in the Trinity I thought well yeah okay if God loves the uh, if the father loves the son the son loves the father it's like yeah there could be some love there and maybe that's hard because they're all one it's like there wasn't uh Maybe action, it's, it's hard to understand that. But what my mind went to, it says, did God create man so that he had an object to love? 
And then along with that, how would God, since the Scripture says that God is love, even before God, man was made, how could uh, God show His love? How can God make known to man His character of love? If there was man wasn't around, where was love? And I say all that because in that first reference of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, I think God was introducing this idea of love to mankind. And love is given uh, prior in Scripture, like the beginning. It talks about uh, you know general things that we would talk of love. But the word love is not used. And so when I, I see this as God starting this love thing that some of us probably are going to have a hard time getting a hold of and understanding. And I still don't understand it today. But God introduced love in the test that he gave to Abraham. And I think God's love was eventually shown to us in the giving of his son so we can be reconciled back to God. And the actions that Abraham did were identical to what God did to us. In sending his son, it's like a repeat. And it just seems real clear that this was a direct example of love as what Christ did later, sending his son to die. The actions of God's love freed us from the condemnation of sin. God's love was continued to be made known as his plan of salvation unfolded. As I continue thinking about this, God wants us as human beings to choose, not by force or control, but by our own free will to return the love he gave to us as part of the praise and honor that he wants to receive from us. It's maybe a lengthy way of saying that the love that God gave to us, if you can get this, if I can get it, the love that God gave to us at his own free will is the only way he wants to see that love come back. Love cannot be forced. He cannot make you love God back. It is a free will choice for each of you to do it. And that's the only way God gets pleasure and receives honor and glory from it is that it's not forced. It's not commanded. It's not controlled. It's this free will of love coming back. Okay, verse 11 here. God's love to us can be shown to those around, as given in 1 John uh, 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so love us, we ought also to love one another. Love keeps us on track. Talking about some of the purposes of love. He abides in love. He that abides in love abides in God. You have a problem loving your brother, you probably have a problem loving God. It's something that will keep us in track. And last, uh, getting down through here, love is to be perfected. And this was new for me as I saw all these verses in here about how do you perfect your love. And there's two ways given. It says in verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Our love is perfected by the witness and testimony that we can be in this world today. And I'm pointing to myself because this is a hard bridge to cross. If you want to perfect your love, are you out witnessing and showing love to those around? It's hard. I don't. I fail. But this is how your love can be perfected. And also in verse 18 goes right with it 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. He that, because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Probably the one reason why I don't show love to people around is because I'm fearful. And perfect love casts that out. And if you have perfect love, you're just not going to be afraid, you're not going to be fearful, and you will show it to those around. I'm not there. I'm not even close. But as I see how much room I have to grow, it's getting to be where the sledgehammer has to hit me in the head and go, this is really what it is. All the distractions and other things in life, it's like, no. If you want to know what the meaning of love is, keep going in the progression of it. And what's next? To show it to those around. Okay. I think that's all I have in the purpose of love. Now we have the tests of love. And I'm not sure why, where I kind of came up with all these, just as it kept going, things kind of came to my mind. But I just wrote down a couple places that the tests of love can get very difficult. First one right off, marriage difficulties. Love is the problem in marriage. It's not the problem. Well, it wasn't when it started. You dated your wife. You just loved it. Everything was great, and you got married, and then suddenly differences come up, and now it's a little harder to love than what it was. Tests of love can be marriage difficulties, and maybe not difficulties as much as like a negative thing, but like um, things you have to work through. You've got to come to terms. It's two people. Test of love. Church unity. Another test of love. Heard about it this morning very well. I won't maybe comment much more. Uh, the third one, family disagreements. Like how, does, how does the family get along? Uh, immediate family, uh, extended family. Another one, work situations. And a lot of this was just to give like all the areas in life of you know, where, where does the test of love come in at. And there can be situations at work that test your love. And then I wrote down Romans 13.8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Maybe a test of love, but we have obligation to love our brothers. There, there's uh, times that can be tested, whether it's work or family or church, just in general. And an interesting note I saw, uh, I think it was Robertson had, it says, this debt can never be paid off. Brothers, you will always have the debt to love your brother. But it said, keep the interest paid. <laughs> I thought, how fitting. It's like if you got a debt, you're responsible for the interest. And that's the interest, maybe an interest like money, but also the interest of interest in your brother. So keep the interest paid up on the debt that you owe to your brothers in love. Uh, persecution, one that we don't face per se. We read stories of it. But the love that you need when your faith is tested, uh, the trials or persecutions that may come, the, the love, that, the test of love that is there. And the last one I wrote down is... Um, the word forgiveness and scripture has things to say about forgiveness and I think there's a, a the two go well together of of how forgiveness works and how love works there's there's a connection between them so there's some tests of love now let's go to uh, triumphs of love God's love triumphed over death we can be a new creation in Christ. There is no fear of death because love triumphed over death through God and sending His Son.
some of these I just kind of went back, the tests of love and triumph of love, maybe not exactly, but the next one I wrote down is, has to do with marriage. The triumph of love in your marriage is that you can experience closeness and love being shared together, and you can feel fulfilled and satisfied with that. And you can count that as a triumph of love. <clears throat> Another one I wrote down, triumph of love, you can be free from addictions. Love is an action, and so if an addiction is an action, or things that you might be caught into, it's probably, it could be a test of your love, but if you can triumph over addictions, I may be saying this wrong, if your love is in the wrong place, if you get your love put at the right place, love will triumph over those addictions, because your actions are not going to want to do that. You're going to want to do what love is asking you to do, and most times it's to follow what God is telling you in your life uh, as far as uh, any of the addictions there, usually having to do with uh, self in, the, in, your, in your body uh, in many different ways of, of addictions. And then I think of love never failing. And, and the whole love thing, we didn't even go to first, or uh, yeah, Corinthians with love chapter 13. There's lots of things in there having to do with love. Uh, but the one I pulled out is love does not fail. Says charity faileth not. And I would like to say that love always works. I think in any situation you run into, love will probably work. But if it doesn't work, which maybe it won't, I don't think there's anything else that will do better. Like that is the farthest that you can go is with love. Last one here, love will continue in eternity. And as stated, I think maybe even Louis mentioned over the years, if at the end of chapter 13 you have faith, hope, and love, your faith probably will have to not be there anymore because there's God, there's Christ. And you won't have to hope for it because you're seeing it. But we're going to be there, and so I think there will still be love continuing on in heaven. So love will continue into eternity. It will uh, triumph all the way through eternity. Okay, so that is all of those down through there. Um, and as I looked at the end, the last ones I have here, and maybe it's time to just quit, quit but uh, I have down here practical points of how all this can be put together. And we'll maybe do a few. I don't know how many. Marriage. It's the only place that all these kinds of loves are shown and expressed. You take all those words, this love, this love, this love, this love. Marriage is the only one that they all fit. Go down through all of them. And I don't know if that gives importance on marriage, but you need all of those in your marriage. And the way to find out how your marriage is doing is just simply ask your spouse, how's our marriage? It's a great conversation starter. You might think you know how it's going, but ask them. Ask your spouse, or everybody on this side, ask your spouse, how's our marriage? You might get a different answer than what you think. I didn't do it yet. I might tell my wife to remind me to do it but how do you know how it's going love is needed in marriage but how about the ratio of these loves so you get these different ones are you getting one lopsided over the other you like to just be a friend but forget the sacrificial love the baby's crying at two in the morning ah, that's my wife uh, just i'll be a friend to her tomorrow good enough um i won't ask about the eros love you know it's like well maybe that gets lopsided one way or the other just 
Find a proper balance in your marriage. Get these loves figured out and get them in their order. And I wrote down here, proper balance between the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical. And I would just add that if you get the spiritual relationship figured out and the emotional spirit, uh, emotional relationship figured out, the physical just kind of takes care of itself. It's just, just, it happens. So get, get a good balance there of what you are looking at in your marriage. Church unity. Love for the brothers and sisters in the church. Do you find yourself avoiding certain people in church? Or maybe you tend to disagree with the decisions of the church. I personally have had that already, where it's like the church just, why are they doing that? That's not what I would do. After a while, he found out, yeah, the church was right. Yeah, they, they knew what they were doing. The body, the voice of the church, usually is safety in that. And Sunday morning service should be a desire to worship God together. I highlighted that. If you put love of like unity in church, if you put all that together, desire. So you want to come and you want to worship God, but you also are worshiping God together. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, 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 just a good overview of a bunch of different things that takes place when you come together for a Sunday morning. You have a desire, you come to worship. And you come to do it together with those that you love, the brotherhood, the unity in the church. And I just noted here, the greeting of the holy kiss is a sign of love and unity in the church. And brothers, I believe that. It is. Next one is family. And I don't have a whole lot to say in this one. That's probably because I have a lot of work to do on this one. But um, they say the ones closest to us are the ones we hurt the most. And I can easily identify with that. You might not talk or relate the way you would to those that you, you might not know as much as you will your children or your wife. And it's something to be very careful about. At the Sweetheart Banquet, Ike asked if we yell at our spouse. And maybe we do at times, maybe we don't. Uh, for me, it goes to, well, do we yell at our children? And that's definitely a harder one for me. And or are we growing in the natural affection of family members? If you talk about this um, storge love, which, or even in the Old Testament, the Hebrew one for, do you like your children? Do you want them to be around? Or are you just glad to send them off to the babysitter? Like some of the uh, Bible club, the, you know, the response you get from parents is, they're just great, send them off to Millmont and they can have an evening to themselves. At times we need a break, but there is a... Affection and love that's needed with our in our families to keep it keep it going together. And work situations. Just briefly, do you follow what your boss tells you to do? Do you get along with your coworkers? Uh, love will help out in a lot of those. Persecution, loving our enemies, blessing those that curse us. We can only do that. And it only happens when we have God's love in us to show to those people. And it may be hard at times. Um, the last one here I have is forgiveness. And I didn't think a whole lot about it until I started searching. I knew there was a verse in the Bible that talked about love and forgiveness together. And it's in Luke 7, 47. I'm just going to turn to it quick. Because forgiveness is one of those that Like somebody said, I remember years ago, a fellow got up to preach and he said, preaching on a subject, said, I don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. 
He's like, I don't want to get into this area of unforgiveness or forgiveness. Because it's very personal, it's very hard, it's difficult. And for myself, I've found that. Sometimes it can take years to get over something. And I don't understand all that, how that, like, why can't it just be easier to just say, I forgive you, and it is done. And, you know, things come back, and, and just that whole struggling with forgiveness. But Luke 7, 47, once again, I'm jumping in the middle of, <clears throat> I guess it was a woman that came, and uh, my Bible says, Jesus' feet washed with tears. And it goes down through the story, but it gets to Jesus' words to um, Simon. Peter was asking about this, I guess Simon was. And in verse 47, it says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And I kind of saw a connection there between if you're struggling with forgiveness... This verse would say there's a lack of love in that problem. And the ability to forgive is, is, could be directly related to the volume or the amount of love that we have towards it. When you think of like the definition of some of these in love. And Matthew 6, uh, 14 and 15, I don't think I want to turn there, talks about, um, you know, if we don't forgive our brother, God will not forgive us. And... I started going down a bunny trail. So if God wouldn't forgive us, does that mean He doesn't love us anymore? Well, it's possible, and that could be a subject for or topic for discussion because at some point God will condemn people to hell. And He's not going to necessarily say that's a thing of love and affection just to send them to hell. It's more a, I can't, like, it's a judgment, and I'll stop before I get myself in trouble there, but there's, there's maybe some things with that I don't know. Now, just for the conclusion, I uh, didn't state it in the beginning, but if you didn't write these all down, five factors, aspects of love, kinds of love, examples of love, purpose, tests, triumph. I know there's two T's at the end, but that spells kept. Kept in love. It's the kinds of love. It's the examples of love. The purpose of love. Tests or triumph of love. All those things will keep us in love or we will be kept in love if we follow through that. So I just wrote here, as we sort through all the kinds of love, see the examples of love, and learn the purpose for love, and overcome the tests of love and live in the triumphs of love. It's getting a little bit lengthy, but it says we will be kept in love. So that's my encouragement to you as you possibly think of Valentine's Day or, or love. I don't know if maybe you have had. Um, just to remember what's given in Scripture of, of what love is and how we, are to, how we are to love each other. I think at this time we'll just stand for uh, prayer and benediction for the uh, remembering the noon meal for the close of the service.